Welcome to Fur What It's Worth, an introduction to an exploration of the furry fandom. I just met you, and this is crazy. Here's a podcast with Rue and Tugsy. Oh, I, I love top, it. Top so, how are you doing, Tugs? I'm good. I got my new 3DS, like a fool. <gasps> Woo! I'm a consumer whore, and how? Yeah, and you got to pay for that, um, that AC converter. I did? Yeah. Why? Why? Yeah, you had to pay for it. I know, but I already have one. So. I know, but they, they took it out. It's eh. horrible. Oh, eh. Uh. Eh, it's uh. like five bucks, whatever. Yeah. So how do you like it so far? Uh, it's good. I turned it on and it said, you got a complimentary system update, which it has been doing ever since. For three hours. I know. So uh, the demo I played with was pretty cool, though. So yeah. The super stable 3D is, in fact, a thing. I got to do this. Okay. So is it worth it? Is it worth buying that? I felt that the 3DS was what the DS should have been, right? Mm-hmm. Then they put in this 3D that didn't... It worked, but like it was like if you... It was like doing the Rabbit Ears TV dance. It's it's the next generation one. With this new one, you can actually play with the 3D on. And you actually kind of want to because it works. You don't get like that weird eye crossing thing. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I feel like that alone was worth the upgrade. Um, plus, we are in a Game Boy Color situation, if you remember that. Yes. Which is some cartridges would work on one, some cartridges would work on the other, some cartridges would work on both. Exactly. So that means, you know what? It's time to upgrade. Ding, 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 ding. Okay. Yeah. Well, all, all DS and 3DS games will work on the new 3DS, but new 3DS games will not work. But they have to be marked a new 3DS. And the bar doesn't say 3DS on the left on the cover. It's on the top. So did they did they include like something where the cartridge is going to look a little bit different or... Like, you know, know how, you know how, like, in some of the games, all it was was, like, a Switch. Or, not a Switch, but, like, uh, never mind. I don't know. I think they'll probably just color the cartridges differently. Yeah, okay. Well, what else have you been up to? Uh, it's been two weeks. I got sick. Uh, I'm doing better. Yay! Uh, I invested in, our, in some microphones with you for the show, so now our guests will sound amazing, as you'll hear later. Uh, and those are, those are actually pretty good mics. I'm quite pleased with them. Well, I have a Valentine's story to tell everybody. Woo! I just have to say I don't get Valentine's Day, but you tell the story. Okay, well, I just want to congratulate um, two people um, that in our, you know, that both of them have been on our show at one point or another, or at least I think one of the couple has. So I want to congratulate Click and Kagos on their engagement. Oh, yeah! That's amazing! I have a button for that. And our good friends over at Fur Media, we have Space Dog Spiff, and um, he is getting married to his boyfriend Felix, and he, he last night got down on one knee and proposed to him, so... Should I push the button one. again? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. In all seriousness. Well. <laughs> but. Congratulations yes, to you both. Yes, congratulations to both of you. Now, I do have another sad piece of news on some of our guests. Um, recently, um, one of our guests, Plain Jane, and her boyfriend that were um, both on our show 
They recently were in a car accident. <gasps> are they okay? Um, they are okay, but they are currently, um, they've currently gone through different surgeries and they're recovering in the hospital. So our prayers are with them. I don't have a button for that. <laughs> no. There's no button for that. Well, uh, do uh, are we just going to start a segment called Guest Update, where we just tell people what our guests are doing? I guess. <laughs> I guessed? Yeah, I guess the guest. <laughs> anyway. Well, hopefully they get better. Speedy recovery, and congratulations to those who are newly engaged. So today's episode is going to be about suicide and depression, and it's going to be a little different than our regular episode flow. So what we've done is we have two guests here in the studio, and they are going to be introduced shortly. In the meantime, uh, we'll also be weaving in your stories that you emailed in so that uh, we can all share our stories together. Um, Some of the emails are discussed with our guests. Some emails we will kind of switch over. You'll see. It'll be really cool. And we hope that by the end of this episode, you gained a little bit of understanding about suicide and depression and that you walked away a better person for it. We love each of you, and please, you know, get any sort of information out of this this episode and share it with people that that you feel would benefit from this message. Indeed. Hey guys, it's Fido again. First off, let me apologize for my last submission when I somewhat insulted Rue. I was slightly drunk. That wasn't supposed to happen. Now, from what I've gathered, this week's topic is very sensitive for a lot of people, so I'll offer what advice I can. I'm no psychiatrist, but I've helped a few people dealing with depression and suicidal thoughts, especially my family. It's... It's not fun, but one of the best things I can recommend is trying to make yourself their best friend if you aren't already. You know, find ways to distract them, make them laugh, things like that. You know, just get their mind off of it. I can't promise it will work every time, but, you know, if it happens at a time when professional help isn't right there for you to get to, I personally believe it is one of the best temporary solutions until you can get professional help. Anyways, I'm keeping this one short. Thanks for listening. Deuces. And welcome back. So You always say that. I know, I know. But (laughs) but hey, we have some great guests on our show today. We do. And that would be Taryn and Kathy. So, Taryn and Kathy, first of all, tell us, what do you do? I'll go first, I guess. I'm Taryn. Uh, I volunteer for the Utah chapter of the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Um, I do that for many reasons. One, it's a passion of mine to help educate people on, on suicide, what causes it, and what we can do to get help. I'm a full-time student uh, pursuing a bachelor's of social work and single. U. I'm not at the U. I live in Utah County, so oh. I'm at UVU. <laughs> oh, okay. That's, that's also acceptable. <laughs> but I will be back to the U probably for the master's. And uh, I also am a single mom. I've got two kids and a hairdresser. I do lots. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. So you're like a power 
mom. I'm something. <laughs> power mom. This used to be a thing for that, like He-Man, but power mom. Yeah, instead, instead, of like, be. instead of like the power glove. Power. Yeah. I love the power mom. I anyway. Like <laughs> and Kathy, tell us about yourself. Okay. Um, I'm Kathy. I'm a small business owner and also a lifetime educator. I'm currently a specialist in suicide prevention, so really feel passionate about mental health issues and making sure that awareness is out there. So what brought you to what brought you to dealing with this particular subject? I mean, well, I can I'll start. Um, I you know, suicide has impacted my life many times. Um, as a young kid, I, I struggled with suicidal ideation uh, from the time I was eight. Uh, due to some sexual trauma and sexual abuse that happened to me as a kid. And my first attempt happened when I was 12. And I'd had several attempts after that I was hospitalized for. Um, I had a father who also suffered from severe depression and anxiety and um, also attempted several times. And he did finally die by suicide in October of 2002. So his death is is really what prompted me to, to get involved Um Mostly I was just looking online for help for myself, you know, support group, something to, to you know, find out if there was others who, who'd been where we'd been and, and really to try to understand more as to why, you know, why it happened and, and what I could do to help others. And I found uh, AFSP. AFSP is American Foundation for Suicide Prevention and um, just became, volu- you know, started volunteering and, and trying to bring awareness to it, especially here in Utah. You know, my dad died 12 years ago. Nobody talked about suicide then. It was a very hush-hush secret thing, and, and I thought that was a bunch of expletive. And <laughs> you, you can curse. It's perfectly okay. acceptable. I thought it was a bunch of bullshit. So I, I, I wanted to give a voice to those who were suffering in silence. It's powerful. It's, it's amazing to dedicate your life to, um, to helping those those people and they definitely do need help. Yeah. So how did you get into, how did you get into, um, to dealing with suicide and depression? Um, I think there's one thing I like to always emphasize. There's two important days in a person's life, the day that they're born and then the day they find out why. And I think when I got into this work, I found out why I was born because I remember being a student in a science class. And when I went to class one day, I looked behind me and the student wasn't there anymore. And I just remember my science teacher coming in and just tears in his eyes talking about what had just happened, that we'd lost one of our students. Um, they had He had taken his life. And that never went away from me. And then when I became a teacher and I had students that struggled with depression, um, I just kind of became this sponge to figure out why and always wanted to know how can I best help them navigate through these really hard, tough times. And so, um, I've had a son that has struggled with addiction and has had severe depression and several suicide attempts and several um, hospitalizations through the years. And so it's it's kind of become personal for me. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your story. Um, again, this, this episode is going to, um, this episode we're going to be talking about, once again, suicide and depression. And we want to be able to, to, to reach out to those individuals that may be um, suffering from, from this, 
would you call it a, a disease or? Well, suicide what, what itself is, it? is not, um, you know, suicide is, is not mental illness. Unfortunately, it's usually a, a decision that's made by a brain that is sick and that is struggling and is beyond the capacity to cope with what is happening in that person's life at the time. Um, you know, suicide is very complex. You know, we, we know that. Um, like I say, there's never just one one thing. Um, absolutely, it's it's what I believe is the lie of depression. That's what I always share. Yeah. You know, that, that lie that you think nobody would care, that everybody would be better off. Um, you know, we hear it said all the time that people who die by suicide are selfish, you know, that they're cowardly, that they took the easy way out. And again, there's nothing cowardly about that act. You know, the, the ability to, to end one's own life is anything but a cowardly act. And it's usually the result of years and years and um, intense pain that they just don't have the ability to cope with or the skills or resources to do so. We, we often see suicide and depression put in the same bucket. Mm-hmm. And, and you mm-hmm. can't deny that they're linked. But suicide does not always follow as a result of depression. No, absolutely not. You know, depression, what I think is really interesting and, and something we need to be aware of, you know, is out of all mental illness, it's the most treatable. It's the most treatable. Um, but it's the one that unfortunately still too has the most stigma. You know, if you haven't suffered from depression, you don't understand what it's like to have a brain that can't just be happy. And you've got people right. telling you, oh, snap out of it, you know, focus on the bright side, write a gratitude list. Well, you can't right. think your way out of a depression. You know, you have a chemical imbalance in your brain. There's not certain chemicals, you know, that, that help us feel happy. And so, you know, what we do know is, is yes, depression can be debilitating. And it is. The World Health Organization said it's the most debilitating of all mental illnesses or not even all mental all illness, yet it's the most treatable. Um, and not all people who are depressed go on to die by suicide. That's important to note, too. Absolutely, is it linked? I think 100%, you know, a depressed brain, someone that does die by suicide at the time of their death, did have some depression going on. We know that, the, you know, statistics say 90% of people who die by suicide had an, a, a treatable mental illness at the time of their death. I, I know we have emails right next on our show notes, but I have to ask this. You're fine. So we're talking about this is mental health. Mm -hmm. And I've always had the opinion and this is I kind of want to see what your opinion is. But I've always had the theory that I think we struggle with mental illness because when I'm sick with the flu or in my case, I tend to get pneumonia. um, You can put that in a Petri dish and you can see it and you can look at it under a microscope. But I can't I can't put depression under a microscope. It's not it's not like it's going to grow in my brain. And I think because it's not tangible like that, we as a society at large have not been able to come to terms with saying okay, mental illness is a real thing, just as real as a physical illness can be. Oh, absolutely. Nobody's bringing me a casserole and green jello when I'm <laughs> stuck at home and I can't exactly. get out of my bed, you know? Um, there, there has been a lot of, you know, advances in, in technology and, and in the medical field that we're now able to see scans of brains, you know, um, with AFSP, we've done a lot of research and, and had families of, of victims of suicide donate their, their loved one's brain so that we could study the brain. And we're able to see those chemical imbalances now, you know. And I think for me, I remember the first time seeing that in my face, I went, wow, you know, because now I could see and I, I could understand, you know, that that's what was going on in my brain. That's why I couldn't just be happy. So, so I agree with you. Absolutely. You know, physical illness, it's easy to see, you know, and as a society, we've always treated mental illness differently. Hey, you know, you have a separate deductible for mental health than you do your physical health. Well, your brain's an right. organ, same as your heart, same as your liver, same as your kidneys. Why the hell are we treating it like it's it a separate be, it issue? Be the same. You know, it should be the same. Right. Hello, Ruin Tugs. It's Edward Fuzzy Paws, the English Poodle. 
I wrote to you a little while back and wanted to share my thoughts on today's topic about depression and suicide. I have always considered myself very fortunate as I have not suffered from depression, but I have known many who have, including people very close to my heart and my family. I can readily admit that when I was younger, I didn't understand depression, but I have been both moved and enlightened by people in my life who have struggled with it. Some have come through it, some on, some battle on, but all of them are an inspiration to me. The strongest, wisest people I could hope to meet. My heart go, also goes out to Robin Williams, a childhood hero of mine who will live forever in my memory. The number of people I am sure he saved with his strength and humor would make him proud. I felt that I needed to write in just to share my warmest admiration for those out there who fight against depression. The special person in my family who has suffered in the past is such a beautiful person, and I find those who understand hardships are the biggest in heart, the biggest in acceptance, the biggest in giving. I want to say to that person and all out there, fur you're not, fight on, because you are beautiful. With so much to give, so much to see, and so much to have, it does get better. This is the truest and yet hardest to believe thing, but it does. You are a warrior, you are a gift. I am a better person to have met you, and I want to meet so many other people too in the years to come. I have been so touched watching the furry community have wide open arms to people with depression and having them overcome it. Last week, I met a young lady at a fur meet who told me, never have I been so able to be myself, to be welcomed so well, to feel normal. We should all be so proud of this special bond that we share. That's my little speech. Lots of love to you guys. A closing question. Would either of you be visiting Confuzzled or Euroference this year? All the best, Edward Fuzzy Paws. Well, we have a few emails. This email came from... Wait, wait, before we read Nova's email... Go ahead. Uh, no, it's not a question. I just want to say yeah. thank you to everyone who took the time to share their emails. We got a lot. Uh, and we recognize that this is a very personal issue for a lot of people and that for some of you it was difficult to share. So we just wanted to thank you for, for writing us and sharing those stories and supporting other people at the same time. So this is from Nova. She said, Dear Cast at For What It's Worth, I spent the, I spent the better part of my life suffering depression and suicidal thoughts slash tendencies. To be honest, I don't know how I've hung on so long. The moods and thoughts hit me, and usually without warning. It's been a long road, and I'm sure I haven't reached the end of it yet. But I want to tell everyone out there that life may be hard now, but it gets better. I understand how hard it can be in the moment, but holding on till the sun rises for you will be worth it. Recently, my brother ended up in the hospital for an attempted suicide. Multiple friends of mine have attempted too. Sometimes I have learned from all of them and my own experiences is that most simply need someone to reach out to them, to listen, to talk with, a shoulder to lean on and such. 
to know someone cares. I've talked to at least five or six friends out of suicide in multiple occasions. It wears me down a lot doing so. But if I can reach out and save one life, and I hope, and then I hope it makes a difference for them. When I reach that point where I just want to give up, finding something to hang on to is literally life or death. But that, let's see, but that is what makes it so important to me to do anything I can to stop a suicide. I've been there before, but life is worth living. Sometimes we just need a reminder. To anyone who is dealing with suicide, don't try to tell, tell them their feelings are wrong. Just listen. Be empathetic. Don't argue. They don't need logic. They need compassion. They don't need their feelings taken away from for being wrong. They need to be given something to hold on onto with hope. As for me, I mean that, sorry, that's for me has, has been for my dog. Sorry. That for me has been my dog and my boyfriend. They have kept me from going, um, where things get hard when I have anxiety attacks or need to cry. Just a hug can help. I know this is a sensitive topic, but I hope anyone out there suffering this can can gain some something from this podcast. Thanks for what it's worth for addressing such a sensitive topic. Maybe this will help save a life. Sincerely, Nova. Uh, so you've obviously never been our guest before, but usually the the order after we do an email is the person who reads it gets to share their thoughts. And then we kind of go around the room. So first of all, Nova, thank you so much for, for writing in. Um, you're, you're an amazing individual. You've done a lot for the fandom within the local community. And so I really appreciate you sending in your thoughts and feelings about, um, about suicide and depression. And I really hope that this episode, that whoever's listening to it can gain something from it that will help them out in their life. But what is your guys' thoughts? Was there anything in there that spoke to you or that you thought was good advice? I think there was a lot that spoke to me, and I really appreciated the fact that, Nova, you are so empathetic, and I think there's a big difference between having empathy and sympathy I think one thing that I always say to people is don't ever start a conversation well when someone says, I just had a miscarriage. Um, you can't say, well, at least you know you're not pregnant. Wow. <laughs> so, Ouch. you know, the at least part. And one thing I want to emphasize, too, is a mind that's depressed, that's a real dangerous neighborhood. And you never go into that kind of a neighborhood alone. And so that's why we need our connections. We need other people that have felt that way before so that they know that it does get better. And I think that's what I I keyed in on Nova's you said that it does get better and I think that's what a lot of people when they're in that dark dark space there's no light that can come in and so someone that cares and loves you carries that flashlight for you 
and says that there is light there and that light is hope and Mm -hmm. that's being connected to other people that care and love about you. Thank you. Yeah, I would agree. I think, you know, Nova said a lot of great points, you know, and when we're, when we're dealing with somebody who has suicidal ideation or thoughts or a plan or, or really is actively suicidal, it's exactly what they need is somebody just to listen. You know, we all, we've all had that experience. We don't want somebody to fix it. We just need somebody to listen, to know that we're not alone, to know that we're loved, to know that we matter, to know that we have value. Um, and hope is absolutely the key. I love that Kathy shared that. You know, I, I have a tattoo and it's my mantra, hope saves lives, because it is. That's the one, mm-hmm. the one thing that people have lost when they get to that point. They've lost hope. And if we can help them connect to something that, that helps them feel hopeful again, it does get them through. And, and I also love that she shared, um, you know, that the new day, you know, um, wait, wait for that new day, because tomorrow's always a new opportunity to, to see what we can tackle again. So. There was, there was an interesting um, point that I keyed into on there, and it was talking about um, not discounting a person's feelings. I know that when I get angry, I'm I'm angry, and to me, that's about as it's real as this bottle of, of Powerade I'm holding right here, right? But mm-hmm. to have someone come along and say, mm-hmm. oh, come on, it's not mm-hmm. that bad. Yeah. Take, I, I get angry at them for not feeling that my feelings are legitimate. Mm-hmm. Is it easy when someone is depressed to just kind of not legitimize their feelings or address the fact that I believe that, you know, that's real to you. And even though I don't get it, you know, give a hard time connecting to it. Oh, I think so. And again, if, especially if you've never been there, you know, I mean, that's the one thing we know as people until we've traveled a road, somebody else has, we don't have a freaking clue what their experience is. And, and even, even when we've traveled it, it's still different, you know, but, um, absolutely, you know, until you've been there, it's hard to understand. And I think minimizing anybody's feelings, you know, whatever our perception is of any given event is our perception. That's our truth. And, and we need to validate that for one another as human beings. We need to just do a better job at, at being good friends and being good, you know, being good people to each other. And I would say we really need to validate people's pain and recognize mm-hmm. it for what it is. And that pain is really real. And I think a lot of times, um, the losses that we have in life, it takes a long time to grieve that. And we need to recognize that. And, um, just this whole, I think one thing I want to emphasize is just bringing up this topic of suicide might bring to mind some unresolved grief that you might have in your world. Mm -hmm. And that's something always to keep in mind too. When, when I had to help one of my friends deal with a suicide, uh, I was, I, I didn't know what to do. I was like, I, what do I say? I don't want to say the wrong thing, you know? And so thankfully Google was able to provide me with, I felt just enough information. I don't mm-hmm. feel like it gave me, you know how like when you Google stuff and you get like a hundred sure. million pages about that thing, you're like, I don't need that yeah. much. This time I felt like I got like the one page Google had. Sure. Um, and one of those things that it told me though, was that never ever say, you know, you'll get over it yeah. because you, it, 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 it's not that you get over it. It's that it kind of, it goes away. Like the pain, the pain lessens with time. It's still there and you still feel it. Um, I don't know. Maybe you just become odd bedfellows with it. Mm-hmm. I don't know what, what, what that term is called, but um, what should someone say? Well, I think the, again, it's, it's, you know, I, I see that you're in pain. I, I see that things are hard for you right now. And I just want you to know that I'm here to help and I, I, and you're not alone and you don't have to do this alone. The other thing is, you know, we, we aren't responsible for any one person's life either though. We don't, we're not that powerful. God, I wish we were. Cause think of how many lives <laughs> yeah. would still be here exactly. if that was the case. 
but we're not. And, and oftentimes we get into a situation where we're not sure what to do and how do we best help. You know, there's, there's a resource that we all have access to if we have a phone, and that's the Suicide Prevention Lifeline. You know, that 1-800-273-8255. Um, every state has a local, you know, place that answers and these people are all trained in in intervention and and really it's connecting with that person letting them talk letting them share you know listening but then helping them find somebody that can connect them to the resources to get them help um and you don't always know you know what those resources are so that's a great one that, that we all have access to that can help. so i have a quick question um most most of the time um when youth are reaching out um to receive some sort of help or, or even if it's not youth, usually they go to their friends. Mm-hmm. Um, right. they, they sometimes go to their family members if they are, they really, really close to them, but more than likely it's somebody that's within their age group. Mm-hmm. So how, like, how can you overcome the shame? Well, no, 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 no. Like what, what's something that you would give to them to help, help them? Because, I've been asked that question before, or I've been approached by somebody and I had no clue what to do. So what are some of the things, I know we talked a little bit about calling for help, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. what are some of the things that would be good for somebody that's in that situation to know? Well, I'll tell you what I tell youth all the time. Um, We don't keep deadly secrets. And if a friend confides in me that they're thinking of suicide, I'm going to be a good friend and I'm going to tell somebody. I'm going to get an adult, somebody I trust, and I'm going to share what's going on. And I'm going to let my friend know I love them enough that I will do anything to keep them safe. And and I, I don't keep a secret. And I don't even do that with my adult friends. You know, I, I had a dear friend who called me one night, um, very intoxicated, threatening suicide. I'm almost positive I knew she had done something. And and uh, phone went dead. And you better believe I was on the phone with 911. And, and they showed up. And had they not, you know, who knows if she would be here today. And, you know, absolutely. Was my friend mad at me? Yeah, for a minute. Um, but she's alive today and doing much better and, and able to deal with some of those things. So, you know, it's it's something I think that we, we get in fear. Well, oh, I don't want right. to break the confidence or, oh, I don't want them to be mad. But again, this is a life, you guys. You know, this is a life of somebody that we care about. You know, how would we feel if we didn't say anything? And then what if they did die? You know, then we're stuck with that guilt of, oh, I could have, should have, would have, which we play that game anyway, those of right. us who've lost loved ones. We, we replay that over and over trying to see what we missed and what we could have done. And I think everyone that's lost a loved one to suicide, when when you look back and you see those things that maybe you did miss, you you're just you're more apt to be willing to speak up when you see them in the future. So you know, I think it's just sharing, asking, you know, getting somebody else's help involved, and and just letting your friend know, hey, I love you enough. Now I'm going to get us. Hello. Within the last three or four years at the local high school that I might be going to next year. Five or so kids have committed suicide, and my cousin was close friends with at least three of them. It really put her in a bad place for weeks on end, and there was really nothing I could do but try to comfort her. I felt terrible. So many kids felt like it was their fault, saying how they could have stopped them. Actually, two of the suicides were trained suicides to one that happened that was really, really terrible. I feel like that's enough of that, but about depression, I have a lot of friends clinically diagnosed with depression. Some of my friends have to take medicine. My friends who are depressed generally are very happy, bubbly, and loud. I myself don't have depression, but I have seizures, and yeah, I feel a bit unstable at times. Off topic, but yeah. Last story. My very close friend, who will also not be named, has I mean, who has depression felt done. 
She didn't tell me that she tried to do this until she came to my house after the summer was over. She showed me her cuts and that she had tried to overdose on Benadryl. She told me it didn't work and she just got a real bad trip for four to six hours. Her parents came home and she got in trouble for it and didn't get support but got threatened to get sent to a mental hospital. We sat there and hugged. Sorry for writing so much, but two big subjects for me and I'm only a baby for age 13. How do we know, like, there, there's trolls on the internet all the time. Right. And um, they basically say things to just get a rise out of people. And, or they use that to some people, they see it as, oh, they're just saying that because they're trying to get attention. What do you have to say to that? Well, uh, when you look back on uh, a lot of the suicides that have happened, there have always been indications and people have always given signs and, and, and talked to other people and there's, they've told other people. And I think a lot of us stay in denial or just at our last training, what was mm -hmm. it that they don't, they don't want to recognize it. We, we just mm -hmm. want to ignore it. Cause and it's uncomfortable. It is. It's uncomfortable. It's, really unco it's, it's scary. It's uncomfortable. It and one thing I learned is I have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable and I'm going to listen to your story. And I think people are so convinced of their stories that it's, and they tend to awfulize it and it gets in their head and they don't really know that they have options or choices. And so I'll just sit there and, and listen to your story until I see what's going on. And then we'll unravel everything and we'll give you some strategies so that you know that there is hope, that there is a pathway, and then there is some way that you can. Um, and a lot of it is just telling them that it just takes time. I tell kids a lot, time takes time. This isn't going to resolve itself. It didn't happen overnight, and it may not resolve itself overnight. So, But I'm going to be with them mm -hmm. through their pain to help them get through it. And I just think to the the comment of, you know, they're only doing it for attention. You know, I, I can share very vividly, you know, um, as a young girl, you know, I, I was a cutter. I, I cut myself and harmed myself because... I was so broken and hurt on the inside and didn't know how to verbalize that. I didn't have those skills to communicate. So I hoped by somebody seeing that I was hurting myself that they they would ask. And I remember girls, you know, all the time in junior high, oh, she just does that for attention. I thought, you bet your ass I am. I want somebody to ask me. And, and you know, but it's because there was a lot of pain inside me that I just didn't know how to communicate. And I had an eighth grade French teacher that pulled me aside one day after class and asked me about what was on my arm. And for the first time in my life, I opened my mouth. And for the first time in my life, I shared what had been going on and where I was at. And, you know, I think that we have to take every threat, everything seriously. Because, again, we, we never know. We never know what might be behind the comment, the act, the, the mood, you know. Let, our, let this person know that we value them and that we're going we're gonna to take it serious, you know, because we want them to be happy. We want them to have a, a good life. Well, and I think as we navigate through this world, we think that everybody can read our mind mm -hmm. and can know exactly what's going on with us. And, you know, a lot of us are not that very good at reading other people and, and detecting what's really going on, what's not being said, you know, the nonverbals that we see as we interact with other people. So. We have another email. Thank you for both your guys' comments. Killingsworth? Like, yes. Okay. Do you want to read that? I do. It says, Hi, Tugs, Ru, Koru, Krow, Krow, you spelled it wrong, and Fire Breath. Krow. It's me, Killingsworth, again. I'm sorry to hear about your friend. My prayers are with you. 
I'm not sure what he's referencing. I think that he is talking about... Oh, Koru? Koru. Okay. I know that this is a heavy topic, and unfortunately, I have first-hand experience with it. Remember the 90s? Well, in the 90s, doctors decided that maybe kids with ADHD weren't just stupid, but mayhaps there was something really wrong with them. So how do you fix it? Pills. Lots of pills. Being a product of the 90s, I got put on the pill train with all the kids like me. However, those side effects happened to like me, and I became very depressed. Starting at the ripe age of five, I went to a spiral of extreme depression. I was making threats on my own life at the age of seven. I was a dork, a loser, and had anger management issues. In other words, I was an easy target for bullies. The combination of the two made me absolutely miserable. I never said anything about the pills side effects growing up because at first I was afraid my doctors would think something was wrong and put me on more pills and I would end up feeling worse. So I ended up learning at an early age how to emulate the behavior and the emotions of kids around me. I would act happy, try to play, and be social, just to throw off parents and doctors. My classmates were brutal in their bullying, ranging from verbal to physical. The worst event happened in the fourth grade when I was robbed and beaten in the school's bathroom. Some kids heard I'd gotten a cell phone, so they decided that they wanted it. So after school, I was at a urinal doing my business when they bashed my head into the metal pipes of the urinal, knocking me out and giving me a wonderful gash on my forehead. Two hours later, I woke up laying in a puddle of urine and blood on the floor. I grew up this way, and around the age of 13, things began changing. He says lawyer alert. I was in a summer camp program where I decided to take up a partnership I would forever regret. I'd gotten a boyfriend of the same age who will remain unnamed for his protection. For about a week, everything was fine until news of his parents' divorce reached him. Then he became incredibly violent and forward, committing sexual acts upon me that I was not okay with on a regular basis or other physical violence. After two months of hoping that he would change, I left him. When I turned 14, my doctor took me off my medication, and suddenly the world seemed to change before my eyes. For a while, I left my depression behind. After a while, it returned. I then went through yet another terrible relationship with a woman, lying, playing games, etc. However, I've started er, I've started to reside my emotions with friends. I think you meant share. I started to reach out to people locally and online. Just thinking about whatever issues I may have been at the same time, having at the same time was a tremendous help. And in the end, that's all I can recommend is that you talk to someone. It will help you and you will feel better. That's all for now. I'm sorry this was so long and that my advice kind of sucked. It did not suck. <laughs> Killingsworth. That uh, that is that is a long story, and I saw some rage. So I'm just immediately going to deflect right back out to you. I'm just shaking my head. I am so so sorry. Let me just um, put that out there to you, Killings Killingsworth. Yes. Mm -hmm. so, okay. You know, I think that's a. It's heartbreaking because it's unfortunately all too common. You know, again, what. As we look at people, as we walk down the street, as we pass each other, you know, none of us has any idea what has happened in the life of the person sitting in front of us, you know? I mean, we have no idea what's gone on in their life. And 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 again, you know, I, I, I'm the old hippie at heart. You know, love and tolerance has such a need for a comeback in our world today, you know? Just that acceptance and kindness. I mean, my God, you know, the the horror of what you've had to experience and the heartbreak, you know, I mean, that that just breaks my heart. And, and again, having had some similar experiences, I can totally relate. Um, but how awesome that you're doing well now, and, and hopefully that continues, you know? And thank you for having the courage to share. I, I do think that that's one thing that we need to advocate more of as, as human beings is, you know, we each have a story, and our story matters, damn it, and we just need to share them. You know, we need to share them. Um, so that others know where we've been and, and can be more compassionate, you know, to us and, and that we can find other support and people that can, that can help guide us, you know, through some of this, this stuff. Okay. I'm the squishy one of the two. I just always, 
and to, to cry. And I just, I just um, had a really hard time with that story. But there's something I always say, every life has a story and it's hard to hate someone whose story you know. Mm -hmm. And now that I know your story, I think I relate to you on a even deeper level. And I just want to tell you and validate for you that you lived through that experience and there's a lot of strength in all of our experiences. And I don't think we give ourselves credit enough mm -hmm. for overcoming terrible, terrible events. And I can't imagine what it was like for you to be in that bathroom or mm -hmm. to go through that, but you're not there anymore and you're in a different space. And I just want you to realize that you've overcome that and to recognize that and applaud you for all your efforts. I think that's great. So, uh, he brings up the nineties and I, I was a kid in the nineties and my mom would refuse to put me on pills because mm -hmm. she was always telling me, Oh, everyone just wants a pill for it. And so I probably am a little biased because I do feel like in the nineties, it was just like, Oh, I'll just give them a mm -hmm. pill. And it's like, no kids need to run and jump and play. And it, it, you can work with them, but you can't. And so I feel like we never got a good handle on how the brain works. Mm -hmm. And so in your opinion, Oh, I don't know what's going on. In your opinion, um, do we know enough about mental health in general to even start to see this like, you know, like like we would a, a regular illness? Well, one thing that I think you need to emphasize is the manifestation of depression in adolescence is not going to look the same as what depression in adults mm -hmm. look like. And I think that a lot of people don't understand that. So if you talk to child psychiatrists or anyone that's dealt with youth, that acting out behavior could be a manifestation of anxiety, not feeling safe in their environment. So they'll act out, they'll get in fights, and that could be a manifestation of depression. Mm -hmm. We just think that they're going to, you know, be sleeping all the time. Maybe they're an ADHD with depression mixed in will look different. Mm -hmm. And so I think you got to take into consideration every child is different. Um, and some of us come genetically loaded. And by that, I mean <laughs> that it's already front loaded that we've got these genetics that we have no control over, but we do have control over some of our behaviors and mm -hmm. through some modification techniques and cognitive techniques, we yeah. can deal with a lot of things that we're going through. And I think, you know, absolutely, we're starting to learn more about the brain and, and how it works and, and the intricacies of it, but we haven't in the past. You know, we, we've talked about that. There's so much stigma that still surrounds it. You know, I, I, I use this analogy all the time, but it, it makes sense. You know, if you think about brain illness, okay, when our brain is sick, it manifests itself in our behavior, plain and simple. That's how you know something's going on with somebody right. is they behave in a way that is not normal for them or is different or odd. And you're like, what the heck? That's how we know. Um, but unfortunately we, we just labeled a term cause it's, oh, you're just, you're just crazy. You have to wash your hands 10 times a day. What are, what are you talking about? That's, that's just weird. Cause we don't understand the behavior. You know, if I have somebody, a friend that's a diabetic, I know what they need to do to treat their, their illness. I know they have to check their blood sugar. I know they have to watch their insulin. I don't mock them. I don't sit in the corner and be like, oh, oh my gosh, you're, you're diabetic. Oh, it's crazy. Oh, you're you know, eating but, a cookie. Oh my gosh, you're eating a cookie. Oh, you know, but we yeah. do that to people with mental illness, you know? And so again, it's, it's breaking down those boundaries and that stigma, but also encouraging a society of mental wellness. Cause like, just like a diabetic has to do things to live well. So does somebody with mental illness. You know, I live with depression. There's things I have to do in order for me to stay healthy. I can't drink alcohol. I can't use drugs. Believe me, I did that for a long time, but those things don't help me. 
Um, you know, so it's, it's focusing on that wellness piece, I think, too, that we, we really need to hit as a society. I always look at what is all behavior has purpose. And I say, so what's the purpose behind this behavior? What is, is this attention seeking? What's, what are they trying to get out of this behavior instead of just labeling them? I always go back in time to see what's the purpose behind this behavior. Yeah. But so, uh, my issue was about 13 years ago. Um, just a quick background. Me and my mom have been friends forever. I mean, we get along. She knew everything about me. She knew I was gay. She knew I was furry. She knew I was even a baby fur. You know, she knew everything. And her stance on it was, well, whatever. It, you, you're happy, so, you know, good for you. You know, there are those people out there, and you're connecting with people, and you're not hurting anybody. You know, it's, it's not like you do this weird one thing, and you're like the only person in the world, which... I don't think there really is anybody that would do a weird thing and they're the only one in the world. I mean, there's almost, what, 8 billion people on this planet? There's going to be at least somebody else who's into what you like. Tangent. Anyway, so I uh, got into an argument with my mom one night and it was really heated. And, uh, you know, got into an argument and basically uh, she, you know, said some things that she didn't mean. I did the same thing, but basically, you know, I... She said, I don't love you anymore, and I wish you'd go away. And at that point, um, it, it was just really hard on me, and I did have an attempt uh, that night. So, um, obviously, uh, you know, I, I did have that remorse. Uh, uh, basically, uh, it failed. Obviously, it was just an attempt. So, uh, you know, I grew from that because I could see the impact that it had on my mom and had on my friends and, you know, my other family, and it was a really hard thing. And so I vowed to my mom that I would never, ever do that again. And, you know, I've kept that promise. Uh, but it's still... And, you know, I always reflect on that. And that, um, you know, if, if times are going tough, then I can reflect back on that and say, I know things will get better. I've been here before. Let's just work through it. And then... Just kind of coming up to what happened in June of uh, last year, uh, my mom had lost her job. Uh, she's been an, uh, an RN for longer than I've been alive. And for bureaucratic reasons, they let her go from her job because uh, basically they claimed that she just didn't have a bachelor's degree. Because nowadays you get a bachelor's degree to get, an, to get your RN. And so apparently a four-year piece of paper totally makes up for 35 years of experience. Um, she was also at the top of her pay grade, uh, so they could get rid of her and hire two other nurses for the same cost. And so she took, it, it was very, very hard on her and, you know, personal uh, illnesses that she was going through, like physical illnesses. And uh, she uh, did... Uh, uh, well, basically, the... At that point, uh, you know, we did lose her to suicide uh, last summer. So, uh, extremely hard. Uh, you know, even to this day, it's still very, very hard. And uh, especially with my birthday being last November, her birthday's in December, Christmas is in December, and it just, you know, it's <laughs> November and December really sucked as far as uh, uh, as far as months go. But it, you know, it gets better every day, and. 
So as as an as somebody who has attempted and as somebody who has lost somebody, it really sucks. And yeah, and it just it, you know pisses me off because I promised her that I would never try anything like that, and she did that to me. And so yeah, really really tough. But working through, and it gets better every day. It's really my story. So, did you want to say something? No. Should I start now? Yeah, if you want to. I mean, I thought we were just talking. Oh, I thought you were recording. We are recording. Oh, my bad. Okay. Yes. Bless you. Yeah, lovely. I know. Um... No, that's a. I think that's kind of important to say is that it does get better every day because, I mean, you know, they, it's an after effect for it. Mm-hmm. Um, no, my my entire life, uh, growing up, like, I'll, I'll admit, like, maybe there were some times that I've been depressed, but I don't think like you know clinically. And uh, uh, I've I've had many more friends that have been in those areas of depression and suicide. Um, one one being on on a good note um he's he's still here obviously not going to name names but um and and to place the mindset this is young okay this is like grade school mm-hmm. um and you know you go into your friend's room and you're hanging out and you bump the keyboard and oh there's some objects that aren't normally under a keyboard let's just put it that way okay and uh um he was cutting, you know, and, uh, it's, it's just interesting when I think about, about it back now and, um, some of the should have done's cause what I did do is be there for him and be his friend. Um, cause it, you know, that's happening. And when he says, Oh, don't tell anybody, don't tell anybody. Cause people will do that. They, they think they'll get in trouble. They'll think they're weirdos or something like that. Obviously mm-hmm. it's happening. Um, and, you know, like, I, as far as I'm aware of, humans aren't supposed to self-harm. So it's one of those things that I look at that and I see him progress through his life, um, you know, kind of teeter-tottering on that edge. And the thing that, if I could say it to anybody, um, is that really they they can be the happiest person in the world um, and yeah. be suicidal. And it's, it's scary to me because... Uh, there have been people that didn't know where else to turn and then just one day said, hey, I've been thinking about ending my life. I just wanted to tell somebody so that when it happens, this, that, and the other, you know, can can go through. And I'm I'm glad they did because you, it's actually reaching out. And I think that's what a lot of people don't do. Yeah. Is it's so hard for them and it's, they don't know how to deal with it and they don't know is this normal, is this not? And then all of a sudden you know, they, they take that next step. And, and the big thing is, is sometimes you just need to talk and it can even be hard to talk about it for the fact that people are so afraid to, um, express themselves. Cause I, I mean, e- even with me, like there are days that I have hard times, but honestly, I'm like, people have it so much worse than me. I don't need to complain today. You know what I mean? But but to somebody else, whatever's going through their head could push them to that, you know, beyond. And it's, um, you know, going through school, it's scary because you have some people that, man, I'm, I'm glad I talked to you because I feel so much better. You give them things to look forward to. Oh, my, my family's a wreck. What about your dog, dude? 
he he can't do it without you. You know what I mean? And it gives them something to hang on to until they can mm-hmm. make it through whatever they're going through. And man, there have been there have been several people that that I've lost to, to suicide stuff and that notes left or, or whatever else. And it's it's not a good thing. It it never is. And it's uh, um, I mean, it, yes, it, it 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 affects everybody, but not in the way anybody would ever think. You know what I mean? And so it's yeah. You know, having having those, those issues, but um, you know, I, I I honestly wouldn't know how to explain it any other way because, um, you know, even even with somebody like me that doesn't understand, I haven't been there. Still, would rather say, "Hey, I'm going to give you a compliment today," just because I'm that guy, you know. And it's one of those areas because you you know it's bullying. You know, bullying for for so many uh, school kids, grade school to high school, um, they get bullied. And uh, you know, me not not being the the kid that got bullied, you have a choice as well to do that or prevent it or you know what, like make a stand. And a lot of those times, you know, being as we don't understand it or we can't empathize with that, well, the least we can do is know we can help it another way, even if it shows somebody, hey, somebody does care. You know what I mean? Because there, there were um, people that were lost, and still remember telling my friend. I still, I still kind of kick myself about this because uh, he wanted to hang out, and I said, "Hey, how about next week?" And there was no next week. Oh wow! Yeah, so it's uh, it affects everybody in in different ways, and uh, really, if I can say anything, it's just if it's affecting you, if you're having a hard time, sometimes yes, you can't turn to every person out there but you really need to say hey something's wrong i don't feel right even if it's something little um i mean as as people have talked about you know there's the prevention suicide prevention line um you've got friends people that that can understand and and to be blunt about it yes even though we're trying to give all this positive effort there may be people out there that don't and that doesn't necessarily mean that you're wrong it's just that it's you. You need to find a connection. That, as far as I'm aware of, the hotline helps. Um, it has. I mean, I have had to use it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's been a few years, but yeah, there's times where it it's just nice to talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, and sometimes it helps. I, I mean, talking to a friend, you know, somebody who knows you intimately, uh, can be a good thing. But there's other times where. Uh, maybe, you know, you want somebody who's going to be, you know, kind of more, uh, objective. Is that the word? Yeah. I always get objective, subjective, all that stuff. Anyway, it's always good to have that, that objective uh, perception coming from somebody that does show an interest and, and genuinely care. I mean, that's why they do what they do. And, uh, you know, to kind of go that route too. You know, if you're afraid to talk to somebody that you know, or you know, you're just not comfortable. You you know, you have that fear that oh, I'm, I shouldn't be thinking this way. You know, I could get in trouble. What if somebody tells me? You know, then I don't want to. You know, end up in a hospital or committed or something like that. Or um, so th- those resources are out there, and it does help. Yeah, and sometimes it's you having to take take the first step yeah so no i uh i i I will admit though something that drives me crazy um 
people that, and I, I know we've all experienced this and I'm not going to say I'm a professional, know exactly what it looks like. Um, you know, people that, that do it for attention, say that they're suicidal for attention. Um, if I had my way, I, I would be very mean to these people as a polite way to put it. I'm, I don't, I don't like it that people do that. But the thing is, is that even if you think they're doing it for attention, you never know. They might be doing it to reach out to try to say, Hey, here's a flag, a flashlight in the dark saying, I do need some help. Um, I will always take it serious, you know, and, and, uh, you may teach somebody that they need to, you know, stop getting, doing it for attention, but you also may be able to save somebody's life. Yeah. So it's a, you know, an interesting situation and, and hopefully these two perspectives can help people out. Yeah. And I think it's also important to note that it, I mean, attempting suicide is going to be a cry for attention. I think really what we're getting at is the people who know that they're going to get that attention and who do it on purpose. They're like, oh, well, I'm just going to say this and do this because I know I'm going to get attention. I, I, you know, they do it maliciously. It's not somebody who would genuinely, you know, need that help. And it's like, like what you just explained is not healthy. Yeah. And I would still put it in, in depression or, or something to that effect to where, um, shoot, maybe even, even a therapist can help them out and figure oh, yeah. out what's going on. So exactly. that's why, you know, we, we both say take it seriously. Um, cause you never know what angle it's, it's going through. Um, yeah. but yeah, it, again, the first step you got to take, you got to reach out. Even if it's not successful the first time, there are multiple ways. Yes, there are. So I have a question that popped into my mind and um, in the dark times, when you're facing those dark times, both of you, when you're facing those dark times, what do you do to help yourself overcome to be able to get out of that? Like, what do you do? Do you do, do you do something or well, I can speak, I'll speak for myself. You know, I, I absolutely do. You know, I know enough now to know that when my brain's being an asshole and it's telling me those things that I don't matter, that I should just be done, that I can't go on, that I, I know that that's my brain in a sickness. I know that now. So I talk to somebody and I reach out, whether that be a friend, a family member. I have a therapist I've seen, you know, since I was 12 years old and I'm 38 and I still see him, you know, because I know for me, I just need to talk. I need to talk through what I'm feeling because when it stays in my head, it's huge. It's big. When I can't verbalize it, it's, it's overwhelming and, and it takes me over. But as soon as I can get it out, I journal, you know, I meditate, I do yoga. I do all these things that help me to quiet my brain because it's really noisy some days. And, you know, I, uh, I definitely have, have had to utilize skills and, and learn tools, you know, to help me in those moments. I do try to focus on the things I have that are good. Not that that's going to shift my depression, but if I choose my focus and I choose to focus on things that I have that are hopeful, it makes my, my depression in those days a whole lot easier to bear than if I just sit and get swallowed up in and allow myself to just sink in to that darkness. So I fight, you know, and those are some days are easier than others. But I think too, those of us that live with mental illness, you know, we got to be able to reach out and, and, and say when it's hard. Um, so that we don't have to do it by ourselves um, and have a safety net. You know, there's this app I have on my phone and it's called My Three. And it's the three people I would call if I was in trouble. 
It's a, a dear friend of mine, my sister, and um, another friend, and and you can get it. And it also has a safety plan in there. So it's got things that when I'm struggling, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to listen to a song. Tom Petty, Free Fallen. That makes me smile regardless, okay? <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I have things that I know make me happy so that when I get into that moment, I've got a plan. Because if I don't have a plan, I'm screwed. You know, i got to have something access to, to, to help me shift my, my energy in that moment. And I'm just going to talk because I'm just looking at my safety plan right now that I have loaded. Mm -hmm. And one thing I think you need to do is every person's really different. And so the warning signs that you're not doing well are different things. Mm -hmm. I always say two things. I say, oh, am I in trouble? Or what did I do wrong? And can I, I, and anytime shit damn hell comes out of my mouth, I realize, oh, wow, something else is not going well in my life. And so here's some of my warning signs. Um, I'll, I'll turn it over to you, Taryn, so I can get my glasses on. Hang on a minute. You're good. So my warning signs are pain. So when I'm hurting, because I live with a lot of physical pain, um, that tends to be hard on me. When I start feeling hopeless and when my sobriety is in question, you know, I'm a recovering addict and alcoholic and the days that I, I struggle with that or I, I want to drink or use to change how I feel, those are warning signs for me that I need to get somebody involved and, and let them know where I'm at. Okay, so my warning signs are I feel like I'm in trouble or I feel like I'm not safe. Um, I feel like I'm a burden, like I don't make a difference. And so the next part of the plan is what do I do to cope? So one thing I would say is uh, do things that give your give back to you. So I am a naturally a helper. I call myself <laughs> kind of like a sponge. And if I'm helping too much, if you ever try and use a sponge and it's absorbed too much water... It's not helpful anymore. Mm -hmm. And so you got to wring that sponge out and get yourself in a better place. So I play the piano, I take a walk, and I pray. And I pray a lot. <laughs> it really helps. And Thank and, you. Yeah. So what is that app called? My, if, if yeah, so our my viewers are my, interested. MY and the number three. So my three. And, and again, it's it's something that we're utilizing a lot in, in mental wellness, just to create a safety plan, figure out what your, your triggers are, um, and then creating a plan for you to stay safe. It's almost like you're making a contract with yourself. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. It's awesome. I mean, I, I tell kids all the time, and even my friends and family, like when you were a little kid, you had a plan for if your house caught on fire, right? You knew where you were going to meet mom and dad if, God forbid, something went down. Well, why don't we have a plan for ourselves when we catch on fire? You know, how are we going to save ourselves when we get in that moment? Because sometimes nobody is around. I can see so. how that, that can really be self-powering. Yeah. Like yeah. very, very, very helpful. Yeah. And then I think the last thing that it ends with is my reason to live. And I think mm -hmm. whenever I've talked to to different folks that have been suicidal, I hear their story and, and listening is not the same as waiting to speak. You know, I I can be silent with another person for a long time till they can get the words. And then we get at that reason that they are important, why they matter. And I think that's one thing I say. Sometimes I just say two short sentences. You matter. Don't quit. Well, we have some other emails. Would you guys mind reading one? Sure. All right. Here you go. Is this, is this uh, Charles Mons? So it says Rat Alan. King. Yeah, the rat I, king. I, real okay. quick, I just want to ask a question. Uh, so when I um, I went to the Play Store because I have an Android, and under apps, there's two different apps that say My Three. 
What's the icon supposed to look like? Can you see it? So, so it's white. Oh, sorry, mine went down. What? My... Okay, so for those of you who are searching for that, it's my3-supportnetwork. It's made by Calm HSA is the publisher. So just for clarification. Thank you, Corey. Mm-hmm. Thank you. All right. So this is from Alan. Do you yes. have any? Okay. Hello, Rue and Tugs, and any special guest on the show? That's you. Oh, <laughs> if you don't remember me, I ref- I'll refresh you a bit, then I will get on with the topic. My name is Alan the Rat King, and I wrote into your show somewhere in November 2013 for your gratitude episode. Now that I refreshed your minds on who I am, it's time to get serious. When I was in middle school, I'm assuming I was constantly bullied, that I thought about taking my life a lot of times. When I was in middle school, I got, but I got... Hold on. Sorry. When I was in middle school, I got of taking, I thought of taking my own life because I just could not do it. And I have so much to live for. So jump up to the next school level, which is high school. High school was all right for me. But after I got home from class, I just became depressed because I did not have a lot of friends to hang out with and was constantly sitting alone to eat. Constantly sitting alone to eat lunch for most of my freshman and some of my sophomore year. But I got out of depression by joining the bowling team, and the rest is history. So that's, my, that's been my personal story on how I almost took my life and overcame depression. But I have much more to share with you guys, so let me do this color switch real quick, and I will get back to typing. So I'm back. I'm ready to tell you more because my mate, if you don't know, I have three mates, now two kangaroo mates and one snake mate. The struggle with depression and almost taking his own life, I can't tell you how many times he has been depressed and thinking about taking his own life. So many times he did not do those things. I'm glad he did not do it. So yeah. If you guys know someone that is thinking about suicide or depressed, try to help them the best you can. Don't just leave them there. Help them if they don't want help. Help them anyway. Take them somewhere fun. Take them to see a funny movie. Please do your part, furries, and help those in need. It just pains my heart to see the news of furs taking their own life. Please help those who want to end it all just because things are not going the way they planned and sometimes you got to make the best out of a bad situation. If you guys want to know how I stay positive and happy even through a bad situation, I listen to really energetic songs to make me happy and play really cute and fun video games to make me positive. I know Robin Williams' death has affected us all, but let's look to the stars and see his face in them. Rest in peace, Robin Williams. You will be missed. So to make this email short, just try and do your best. If you know someone who is trying to take their own life or if they're depressed, take them to go get an ice cream and take their mind off their problem from the racking. He says there's a cookie behind you in his postscript. Oh. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Are you frustrated that it took someone like Robin Williams taking his own life to bring this into an even more aware sphere? I mean, it's sad that it sure. had to have that happen. Um, you know, yes and no. Um, I think... You know, unfortunately, whenever there's a celebrity that, that dies by suicide, obviously it gets the attention it gets because of the way we've placed value on people who are in media. You know, Robin Williams was an amazing man who also had his own personal private struggle. What his death did do is bring the, the topic to light and, and got people talking. You know, we saw record numbers of calls into the lifeline. So people that reached out um, and said, I'm struggling too. You know, I think he, he gave a voice to a lot of people who've lived in silence. And for that, I, I, I'm most grateful. 
you know, but at the same time, yeah, there's, there's thousands of lives lost every day and, and they have a story too. And their life is just as important. You know, nobody's life is above somebody else's. And so, yes, I'm, I'm grateful for the attention that it's given this topic in hopes that it'll get more people to, to reach out and seek help, um, instead of again, suffering in silence. I'm not too sure how to start this or really how to talk about this, but I want to say my story and how I got over it. Oh man, this subject for this episode is a grim reminder of some dark times for me and a lot of people. Yeah. Suicide and depression go head in hand and are some big ass obstacles to avoid or conquer. I'm going to jump in the deep end to the shallow shallows almost let me read a little bit of for this because it's kind of grammar fonty. No, no, it's fonty. Like, there's yeah, um, fonty. That font changes size all of. Oh, this is Sunday. Yeah. Almost after ever, I think he means almost after every fight I had with my dad, suicide always bounced around in my head. And thanks to macho BS my dad taught me, I wasn't allowed to cry, be sad, had to be a rock because real men don't cry. All I can remember from the fights are feeling so empty, like I had no value and should end my life. Suicide felt like the best way to end it all and getting back at him for all the pain he gave me. And every time after I had to pull myself back together and hide behind a mask and carry around my broken shield and when the mask broke I snapped one time I broke down during practice after I missed a tackle I just remember falling to my knees and punching the ground no one ever put that much thought to his happy-go-lucky guy that he could ever be sad one time I told a very close very close friend that I almost killed myself and he didn't even care not even let's see not even the teacher there said nothing just continued with the day on the very last time i wanted to end it i had a thought pop why should i die and later found the phrase randomly on google success is the best revenge through all this hardship i can't even stand even hearing my real name being said it being used so negatively that i just want to leave it behind as a last hearsay for that terrible chapter of my life glad I didn't would have had that crappy name stuck on my stone or discovered the community behind the fandom or experienced my first con it was an anime con guess the advice I would tell anyone going through this talk to someone get this off your chest it's a burden you can get lifted off your chest I know there is a big account on FA that is dedicated to help furs in need there are people out there that are willing to help. I'm not good at ending emails. Sincerely yours from the land of potatoes, Leo the artist. The next email that we have is from Kira the Fox. Do you want me to read it? Yeah, unless. Oh, okay. We'll we'll pass it along. Oh, sorry. There we go. <laughs> okay. So in this email, it says. I was thinking about this for days 
And to be honest, I really don't think that I'm qualified to talk about this. All I can say are the things that I have seen in the fandom. When you surround yourself with people of youth, 13 to 17 years of age, it is more than likely you will find people who are hating their lives because they are coming into adulthood. We've all been there. We have all felt this way. And it seems that because there is this outlet and because this fandom is probably a little too nice, we get those kids who are praised by people who are close to them in the fandom, friends who are more than likely around the same age. And when they get around people who know more and more, who know more and have experienced more in life and tell them that they are not as good as everyone says they are, they get sad because they were always told they were awesome. When I was young, I didn't have this. I was always striving to reach the people who were better than me. So I do not know that pain, but I do know depression. And I know that everyone has their own definition of what depression feels like even though there are standards. However, I have seen that many of the young in the fandom are not, in fact, depressed. They are upset because things are not going their way. They are sad because they are not as awesome as their friends said they were. Those of us who have, who have in fact, been so depressed that we have considered death as a way to escape the pain and the voices that tell you you are no good, voices in your own head and have survived and become better people are angry that these kids are constantly saying, you don't understand. I should just kill myself. Very often we get so angry that we just tell them to go ahead. I've been guilty of this, but like others who have been depressed, we try to help these kids who are feeling depressed. We try to show them that it's not so bad, that things will get better, but not only are our experience words being ignored, but they are just complaining about what we are telling them to others, thus making their depression just a teenage temper tantrum. This is what we hate. These are the times when we say, fine, kill yourself. If you think no one really loves you, if you think that only romantic love is real, go ahead. I have never come across a person who has actually killed themselves because of this. Most of the time they just complain more to their friends. Um, then you get attacked by said friends because you didn't want to take their shit anymore. I myself have probably um, only come across three or four furries whose depression is real and not just teenage drama. But with that kind of ratio, it's easy to see why many older uh, fandom members are so hesitant to believe each other when the topic of depression appears. I got lost in there somewhere. Sorry. That's Kira the Fox. P.S. If I can think of more before the show ends, I'll send another email. <laughs> well, time's up. As they pass the phone back. So, what so are your thoughts are on her reaction? You know, I think Kira brought up a really good point. I think it's really hard to be able to read other people and figure out where they're coming from. And so we make assumptions and anytime you assume something, um, it makes an ass out of you and me, isn't that what mm -hmm. assume means? So I think what you really need to do is first hear their stories and, and, and take things at face value and help people sort out what they're really going through. Um, and I think the teenage years it's, I call those the in-between years where they're, they're not a kid anymore but you're not an adult. You're an in-betweener. And in that in-betweener stage is one of the hardest times. I also call it um, an imago phase. You're not, 
you're just kind of a caterpillar and you haven't really grown into an adult, but you're not, you're not the caterpillar anymore. You're just, you know, you're just, um, kind of in between just about to change. So I don't know where that's going, but <laughs> no, but you th- I think yeah. you bring up a good point, you know, in, in the, and of course, you know, the older we get, we start to understand this. And I hated hearing that as a teenager. And I know all of us felt the same. Oh, well, when you're older, you know. But again, our brain hasn't fully developed. We're going, we're experiencing hormones and changes and just all this crap that that we can't take on. And and trying to figure out who we are and where we fit. You know, where where's our niche in the world? You know, I wouldn't go back to junior high for anything in this world. I'm very grateful to be where I'm at. But um, I do think that, you know, like Kathy said, you got to still take things at face value. You know, what might be somebody's end may be small potatoes to somebody else. But, you know, we we don't get to be that judge. We don't get to decide. You know, what what might be life and death for somebody else could be nothing to us. But if it's life and death to them, it matters. Do you want to take a break? Uh, Let's ask one final question just because they must depart our presence soon. Our lovely guests. Well, we have we have twenty more minutes. <laughs> no, we don't. She has to be there, Sam. Oh, she so have to yeah. be there at eight. Well, yeah. close close to. Just okay, so I can see her sing. Okay, well then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, All right. Yeah. Well, um, we'll ask you the big final question, which is: What is the one thing you want everyone to take away from this episode? The one thing, if you could just sit down with them and tell them something, what would that be? The one thing. Um, now I'm going to get emotional. Is that you matter, you know, that you matter, that your life matters and that you have value. And it takes courage to reach out and, and ask for help, but that help is available and it's out there. And that even when you've lost all hope and you don't see any light, you know, please, please still have the courage to tell somebody and, and just know that you're not alone. You know, there, there's always a hand outstretched. Um, to help pull you up. And, and as people, that's just what we need to do. You know, you're not alone and, and you matter. I think the one question that I ask um, attempt survivors the most are, and then I say this statement, I say, I'm so glad you're still in my world because you're my favorite. I tell everyone I meet that they are my favorite because you cannot replace you. You're irreplaceable. Does that make sense? I think you can't be recreated. You can't be recreated, and I and I, and I think there's there only been, one of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. And um. I just think of all the all the folks that I've lost. I'm gonna I'm gonna go to a, a funeral on Monday of a dear dear friend that uh, lost her pat her battle to pancreatic cancer, and I just think in thinking of what my world is like without her in it now. I don't think people realize that they matter to other people, and I don't think they realize just their incredible effect of what their presence, just their presence is in another person's life. And so I think that's what I'd leave. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming out today and, you know, talking just a little bit about um, this serious, serious topic that we all need to learn Mm -hmm. a little bit more about. 
and I am very grateful that you were able to make make it out here. Thank you. For- oh, thank you guys for addressing the topic. Thank you very much. It's been an honor. Hi, guys. I'm Wolfie, a 24-year-old male coyote from the heart of California. I've been listening for IDK a year. I've been wanting to write in for a while. I was going on to on the bullying episode, but I got sidetracked. Anyhow, I heard the next show topic and thought I'd share my story. So, a quick backstory. My father's best friend was living with my dad, his girlfriend, and me at the time, and I called him my uncle. He's not really my uncle, though. He has a daughter, which I will call E. Now, she was in 11th grade, and she had her own car. One day, she brought her boyfriend over, and they started playing Guitar Hero in the extra room. I was getting a soda, and I was in the, by the room. I stopped and was like, hey, can I play with you? So her boyfriend replied, we only have one guitar controller, but yeah, we can take turns. So I joined him till I had to leave. Now, a week passed, and I had talked my dad into having a Halloween party at the house, so I invited my cousin. I asked, hey, do you know this guy? Now, there are two high schools here. My cousin, E, and her boyfriend went to one, and I went to the other. So my cousin was like, yeah, he's my best friend. So I invited my cousin. An hour before the party, E's boyfriend came up to me and said they're going to have a Gears of War contest. I told him, I don't know how to play that game. I have a PlayStation 3. So he showed me how to play and let me beat him a couple of rounds, and then we started to become friends. So we had the party. My Gears of War team lost, but I didn't care. I made a new friend. He showed me my and my cousin Saints Row 2 because it had just come out. We played an hour before he left. Then the night my uncle was on the back patio on the phone, I walked out there for something. He got off the phone and called me over, and when I was like, what's wrong? He told me E's boyfriend hung himself just a few hours ago. I kind of went into shock, like, this is really happening? My uncle told me to call my cousin and give him the bad news. So I called him and told him I had some bad news, and that's as far as I got. I gave the phone to my uncle and said I couldn't tell him, and I walked down the side of the house and just broke down in tears. I was depressed for a week. I wouldn't eat. I just stayed in my room and cried once in a while. The worst part of it, I went to sleep and had a dream where I was crying. I heard someone calling to me, and I looked up, and it was him. He put his hand on my shoulder and told me he's all right now and everything's better and for me to go live my life. And I calmly woke up. Now, I'm not religious, and I don't know if that was just my brain telling me, hey, get over it, but it helped me a lot. Now, I'm not saying you'll have a happy ending if you commit suicide. That's not my point here. My point is to show people thinking of suicide about how it affects the people around them, no matter how long you've known that person. Just by talking to someone and being friendly, you can make a huge impact in their life. I don't think anyone knew this guy was depressed that much. He was the nicest person I've ever met. He never talked about suicide or showed any sadness. He even did his homework for that last week's school and turned it in early like the day before. Also, 1-800-273-TALK or 8255 is the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Please use it. I hope this helps and sorry for the long story. And Rue, I thought you were a girl the first time I listened to the show. Ha ha! So, welcome back. Welcome to the end of the show. It's time for some housekeeping. So, first announcement. Don't forget to go to our BLFC show. Woo! I know the date. I know the time. We have something special that's going to yeah, be we have given out. Yeah. Our show at BLFC is still being developed, but I can tell you that it will be Saturday from noon to two. We're going to have so many people there. It's going to be crazy. It might be 1230, but it will be Saturday about lunchtime. I will miss all of you. I will not be there. Koru is like Cookie Masterson. No one actually knows what he looks like. Oh. Well, except for the couple shows uh, for Idaho, and we did one at FC. All right, all right, all right, all right. Well. Uh, what else do we have? I in hope the to home? be a We first, have though. our next episode. So here you go. Get your 
get your computer ready to send your email away to us. I know we have a button for this. Or tablet or phone. Where are my timpanies? I don't know where my timpanies went, man. Okay, well. Go for it. The next episode is going to be about pets. Specifically. The not pretend animals. Yes. We're not talking about your master pet slave stuff. Uh, we're talking about real animals. Real pets. So you're, we're talking about your parakeet. Your dog. Your cat. Your cat. What makes a responsible pet owner? What makes an irresponsible pet owner? Do you have friends that are also furries that have pets that aren't taking good care of them? Have you not told them that they're being a bad pet owner? Do they understand that this is a life that they're taking care of? We will address these questions and more. So send your emails today. By the way, guess what I found? We will have an actual vet, hopefully, hopefully, we'll have an actual vet on our show. So please feel free to send us um, questions that you may have about taking care of your pet. Uh, We will not be answering specific case-by-case questions, just general advice, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, we don't. We can't diagnose your horse's strange rash over the air. Well, I'm sorry. Yeah. No. If you just want to ask a vet something, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I found it. What? It's showtime. So yeah, I guess I, it's because I colored the button different. Yay! Yay! That waveform looked like a penis. Well, again, this was a great episode. Yes. Thank you so much for for. St- you know, sticking with us to the very, very end. But um, all of those we, mailbag emails will be in the next episode. We definitely cannot do this show without you. So thank you once yeah. again. And thank you for sending in those touching emails. This has been Rue. This is Tugs. Thank you, Rue. And this has been For, for What, what it's, it's Worth. worth.